morning, pile. 7 o'clock, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. From the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We expected one heck of a showdown last night between Buffalo and Cincinnati, two teams vying for the top seed in the AFC. Instead, fortunately, absolute horrible tragedy averted thanks to the quick actions of the medical staff last night in saving the life of DeMar Hamlin after he suffered a cardiac arrest, had to be revived on the field. He is in sedation, critical condition at uh, the hospital in Cincinnati, which they said is what, about two miles down the road from the stadium. So yeah. they're, they were very, very fortunate that uh, UC Health was very close to the stadium. And just the, the reaction of of both teams last night of those calling the game on ESPN everybody from Joe Buck to Troy Aikman to Ryan Clark all of course back in the studio to Lisa Salter on the sidelines Mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm glad the both Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott knowing their players caring about their players they they made the decision last night essentially yeah yeah NFL wanted to play I know Troy Vincent he was involved you know with the league was mm-hmm. was trying to well we we want to do what was best and and they they were they were trying to find a way to Wiggle themselves out of a little bit. I think they were looking for a way to play to finish that game that last night until Zach Taylor went to Sean McDermott. It's like, if you don't want to play, we're not going to play. And I don't know how you could. I, I, I after seeing what happened last night, which was such a, a freak thing involving mm-hmm. DeMar Hamlin, and we have not had a player die on the field, the only one ever down the field back in 1971. Chuck Hughes. Chuck Hughes. Yep. And it, it just, it goes to show that number one, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, they care about their guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in recent, you know, weeks here, we've had the Broncos with the, you know, whether they like Russell Wilson or not and what the, the, the team chemistry is and, and some of those things. And now assertions that some of these defenses of Russell Wilson were, were kind of orchestrated on the part of Jerry Judy and Garrett Bowles and guys like that, that it wasn't organic. You saw the organic love last night. You saw how those guys cared about each other, not just the Bills caring about their own. Mm-hmm. But the Bengals caring about the Bills players. Yeah, and I remember the moment Joe Burrow last night and Josh Allen, yeah. where, where Josh Allen is, is is visibly upset, crying. Joe Burrow comes over, and people like people may have an issue with Joe Burrow, but that was one of the classiest things. He comes over, puts his arm around mm-hmm. him, hugs him, and just like, "Hey, man, I'm here for you." You cannot like him as 
a football playing person, right? Yeah. You think but he's as a an actual jerk. person, he seems to be an yeah. all right dude. That that to me spoke volumes yeah. about what what a good guy Joe Burrow actually is. You may not like the swagger and all the, mm-hmm. but when you get down to it, that was a really incredibly human thing that he did last night. Yeah, and there's a handful of things that were flying through my mind last night watching this. One of them was that that turf is cursed. Yeah. Antonio Brown, Ryan Shazier, Tua this year. Tua this year. And this, uh, you know, it's like, damn, everything seems to happen in Cincinnati. But the other thing I remembered was, remember the Bengals-Ravens game that had that nutso finish four or five years ago? I think it's 2017. Where Andy Dalton beat the Ravens and it sent Buffalo to the playoffs for the first time in a generation. And they just blew up Andy Dalton's charity. Like half yeah. a million dollars worth of donations. And it was these two cities, Buffalo and Cincinnati. Right. And then last night, you have DeMar Hamlin, his charity, where he wants to raise $2,500 to give kids toys. Is now north of $3.5 million. Yeah. DeMar Hamlin, second year out of pit. Got started to take on a bigger leadership role in that secondary for the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, we, we, we pray that he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But but thank goodness for the, the, the quick professional actions of the medical staff there last night who had to restart his heart on the field. They were getting ready to load him in the ambulance and had to to resuscitate him on the field. And I, you know, I just, to me, you can't say enough about how, you know, the, the, how the, re, the reaction of, of that part of the NFL operation, we can criticize the independent observers for the concussions mm-hmm. and things like that, but that, that group last night did their role in, 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 in magnificent fashion to save somebody's life. Uh, Troy Vincent, I mentioned, reference Tim, the league's vice executive vice president of football operations. When it happened last night, so the NFL's emergency action plan kicked in. He was in conversation with the commissioner, Roger Goodell, also Players Association executive director, DeMarie Smith. Donna Ponte, who's the league's chief football administrative officer, was at the game and was the one there talking with Bills coach Sean McDermott and Bengals coach Zach Taylor and the referee last night. And Vincent said it was fluid and things were changing by the minute. It was obvious on the phone that the emotions were extremely high. It was a very volatile situation. So everything that that I kind of garnered last night was they wanted to play again in five minutes. They wanted to give the guys a chance to kind of collect themselves. Yeah. And when that obviously was not going to happen, and that's when you reference Zach Taylor talking with Sean McDermott mm-hmm. and and Stefan Diggs was trying to he was try he this is not anything new to Stefan Diggs. I mean NFL players know when when a guy goes down, typically ACL, other injuries, they're taken off the field. Yeah. They give him a few minutes and they play. And Stefan Diggs was was like trying to get to get the Bills kind of emotionally ready to go. And then he kind of and, realized himself yeah, the, because that's just how it is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing Stephon no, Diggs for that. No, and I think, I think it's they, autopilot a little bit on Stephon yeah. Diggs. Like we know that 
all right, they're going to give us five minutes, but they're going to want to play this game. Not so, that the, not that Stephon Diggs wanted to continue playing. Because he was obviously visibly upset. He was in no condition to play. Yeah. Josh Allen, no, no none of those guys weren't in any condition to play. And then you can kind of tell that you know Diggs realizing, we can't play this game. Mm-hmm. I can't play this game. And just... Just such a scary moment last night. Like, so we've yeah. only had one player ever die in the league. And it was just such a, a freak thing last night. Because typically, play like that, both guys go down, make a tackle, guy gets up, or, or if it's or if it's even like if it's even something like it's a, a, a knee, mm-hmm. broken leg, whatever, you get the thumbs up. And okay, they're or at least, they're all at least right. They're, they're sitting up, something like that. That was obviously not the case last night. No, and it was a very benign. Yeah, I, as much as a collision can be benign, it's a play we see in football hundreds of times a Sunday. You know, two guys just kind of wrestle each other to the ground, and they get back up. And Demar Hamlin stood up. It wasn't that he hit the ground and just laid there he got back to his feet and then and collapsed. then collapsed and so they get okay everything's all right and then he goes down and then you realize this is more serious yeah then i mean not that an, not that an acl isn't serious mm-hmm. or a broken leg or a neck injury but i remember there's but, a Bengals player that was kind of going back to his huddle that pointed like this dude's in trouble yeah, I don't remember who it is, and I don't really want to go watch the video again. I saw it enough last night, right, to essentially, I mean, it it, it looked like one of those end of the game, we need a few seconds, oh, I'm going to fall down. It was that, I don't, I don't even know the word for it, where he just kind of went to his backside and then fell down. It's like, that seemed very, I, I don't even know the word for it. And there's some speculation of, you know, we, look, we're not, I'm obviously, obviously not a doctor, nor are you, but in hearing some reading things, some things this morning, that the feeling is that he took, Hamlin took a shot to the chest and it hit him in his heart in, in this case, the, the, in, in the in the in the wrong moment, or in the in the right moment for this mm-hmm. particular thing to occur, or it hit him in a certain rhythm beat of his heart, and it stopped his heart. Yeah, it was the one in a million shot. Yeah, and and that's what led to him collapsing, having the cardiac arrest, and have and, and the need to be resuscitated, and and so it's. It's something you, you maybe you've. I don't. I've never seen it happen, but I've heard about it. Where a guy takes a line drive in baseball, mm-hmm. hits him in the chest, and things like that have happened. Like now, I've, I've never seen it, but I remember playing I. little league where you'd have a, the pitcher, a couple kids, have that little protector with the the heart you know, guard. Yeah, the heart guard. Because that had happened a few times, and it was oh gosh, probably twenty some years ago. Where there was concern about that mm-hmm. with with young athletes, uh, particularly playing baseball and softball, and the heart yeah. guard became a very in vogue thing to have mm-hmm. because there had been some cases of it, 
And so for everything that, you know, once again, this is this is pure you and I talking. No, right. no, the, the UC Health and Cincinnati's not confirmed this. The Bills have not confirmed this. That that could very well be what happened to him last night. That it hit his heart in just the the right rhythm mm-hmm. of his heartbeat to stop his heart, and that required him to be resuscitated last night. So he does remain in in critical condition this morning. That was at least the, the last that I've seen updated on his condition. Uh, he's been sedated. His mother, family, they were in the ambulance with him. I, I cannot imagine. I, I put that on Facebook last night. I cannot imagine how terrifying it was for his mom to be in the ambulance with him, to go to the hospital. And and then there's the game itself, which is so not even not even secondary. Secondary doesn't even begin to, mm-hmm. to fit into the description, but it there are things about the game that that have to be resolved in terms of it, it had big time playoff implications last night. Both battling for the top seed in the AFC, Bills twelve and three, Bengals eleven and four. Bengals had a chance to clinch the AFC North last night with a win. Bengals were up seven to three when uh, this awful thing happened last night, and the NFL is has not communicated anything in regard to will they try to finish this game at some point? NFL's become more nimble at that thanks to COVID. We saw games get rescheduled on a mm-hmm. Wednesday. What I mean, what does this look like for the playoffs when it comes to being fair in terms of because both these teams are going to be they're both playoff teams. How do you handle that? When when do you squeeze this game in? When when do you try to work it into the schedule? Because playing it today is not going to happen. Bills no. already Bills already went back home. So do you play it tomorrow? When when do you play it? And so that that now becomes, like I said, number one concerns about Demar Hamlin mm-hmm. and his health and his recovery. But this is also something else the NFL has to to address. Is what what do you do in this situation? But it was such a um, so tough because Ryan Clark mentioned it. And I'm, I know you've got him for sound check. I won't mm-hmm. say a lot about what Ryan Clark said, but going in last night as broadcasters, you're, you're talking about this matchup, two quarterbacks that set a record for total touchdowns in a Monday night football, in a Monday night football yeah. matchup with, with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, both, you know, battling to, to be the top seed in the AFC, you know, the, the AFC North championship on the line for Cincinnati I mean, there are, there are a lot of things about this game that were were exciting and, and intriguing, and now you have to you have to th- all that stuff has to get just chucked in the in in the trash can mm-hmm. because your focus becomes on the the human story of what happened to Demar Hamlin last night and how scary that was last night and how the NFL came very close. Having the second player ever die on the field. Yeah. And yeah. Thank, thank goodness medical technology has advanced mm-hmm. exponentially since 1971. Oh, absolutely. And I know it's not the official result, but Pro Football Reference has Cincinnati as the winner. And that puts them 
in line possibly to be the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, this wasn't just a nothing burger Monday night football game. This was had huge. huge playoff implications that are meaningless right right this second, right? They absolutely are. Yeah, but today they don't they don't mean anything. At some point, hopefully, to, to err on the positive side, DeMar Hamlin will you know, regain his consciousness and he'll be on the road to recovery and he'll be able to live a full and healthy life. And then you're going to have to figure out what to do about this, whether it's seed the playoffs on winning percentage alone instead of just straight up wins. The NFL is going to have to figure out what to do. And and now we're in a stage where we're heading to the final weekend of the regular season. Mm-hmm. If this happens week four, week five, week six, you got ways you can work around it. Right. You, you you have workarounds. This is really tough. It's going to be really, really tough for the NFL to find a way to to finish this football game. We'll have to see what happens. But uh, certainly, number one, our, our thoughts are with DeMar Hamlin and his family this morning as he continues, uh, you know, to remain in critical condition at UC Health in Cincinnati. So we've got some thoughts on that today. Uh, also, reports this is more of a follow up on on Jim Harbaugh. The Broncos are reaching out to Harbaugh about uh, interviewing for the job. That Harbaugh will take an NFL job. That that is now coming out. That because uh, remember at one point after the Vikings you know turned him down, I don't think I ever want to coach in the NFL again. Well, according to reports, that's not true. That if somebody offers him a job, he's probably going to take it. And so, with the connection to Condoleezza Rice, it makes a lot of sense that Harbaugh... And look, Harbaugh's track record. I know mm-hmm. you don't like the big dumb khakis. Understandably so. He's Michigan's coach. You don't like him. Yeah. But the guy had an impressive record in the NFL. And then things went south in San Francisco. I think from, from the Kaepernick decline from his play... What Trent Baalke was the GM before John Lynch came on board. That and was a mess. Jim they, they, Harbaugh just kind of has the way of wearing out his welcome. You know? Yeah, there's there's a shelf life there with Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Broncos fan, I think you kind of realize that. And that shelf life is probably the time that Russell Wilson's going to be in Denver. Yeah. And it could be the same for Jim Harbaugh. And I know you'll have Broncos fans. That's fine as long as he wins us a Super Bowl. But we know that's a lie. Super Bowl was just seven years ago. Now they're already antsy. They got to fire everybody, burn down the stadium, which they tried to do over the offseason. But, you know, we've got to win Super Bowls. You know, so yeah, they, the didn't whole, try, we'll, they didn't try to burn the stadium the down. The whole Stop will, it. you know, we'll take the trade off of Jim Harbaugh if we can just get that Super Bowl win. That's a lie. Because <laughs> you want a Super Bowl every year. And anything less is just absolute failure. Like everybody should be fired. I'm going to see that we're, you're bringing it back forced to into glue the nutty crap that you like to delve in, which is they didn't try to burn the stadium down. There's Stop no it. telling. Maybe it was not an electrical fans. accident. They didn't try. They didn't try to burn. There weren't fans that went in there with with cans of gasoline and torches and firewood. Yeah, pitchforks. Where's they were, Nathaniel Hackett? They were showing the ownership how much the fan base deserves just to have a win. saying it was an accident. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't arson, okay? I haven't heard anything specific. <laughs> 720. Jim Harbaugh could put the fire out with milk, though, so that's good. They have the Kurt Angle milk truck, the whole deal.
He's probably got fireproof khakis too. He could probably probably just... does actually. He's got every He's got those, form of khakis. I uh, had had a guy that I went to high school with, mm-hmm. played football with. He had like the um, the Sears Craftsman pants, the jeans. Yeah, they had like Teflon woven into the the pants. They're like work pants. Uh huh. So like if you were using a grinder and it this you know spark or cinder fell, yeah, you know, something fell on your pant leg, it wouldn't catch your pants on fire. Smart. Maybe he's got some uh, painters' cra- pants, cra- yeah. craftsman uh, talkers that he could wear, probably to put out the fire if they have another one. All right, seven twenty-one, and it's time for uh, what's happening this morning. What's happening? So you got me all discombobulated with your allegations of arson, and of course the Demar Hamlin situation. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Only one of those is my fault. O- only one. Only one. All right, so. We'll start things out with Demar Hamlin. The Buffalo Bills' safety remains in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital this morning. The Bills issued a statement that the 24-year-old has been sedated and is recovering from a cardiac arrest after making a tackle last night on Bengals receiver T. Higgins. Medical personnel in the field had to restart Hamlin's heart before he's taken by ambulance to the hospital. Coaches and players from both teams were visibly shaken while Hamlin was being treated. Cincinnati grabbed a 7-3 first quarter lead, and the NFL has not issued a decision on if or when the game will be completed. Both teams are battling for home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. A night after beating the team with the best record in the NBA, the Nuggets lost to a sub-500 Minnesota team last night in Minneapolis. Denver fell 124-111 to to the Timberwolves as Anthony Edwards led Minnesota with 29 points. Nikola Jokic scored 24 points along with 9 assists with Bones Highland scoring 18 off the bench as Denver slips to 24-13. and Denver defeated Boston on Sunday. The Nuggets still lead the Western Conference by a half game over Memphis. The Avalanche came up short and losing to the Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 last night in Denver. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen scored Colorado's goals with McKinnon scoring his first goal in more than 25 days after being out with an upper body injury. Coach Jared Bednar wasn't happy with their effort in the second period. I mean, we didn't give up a lot of scoring chances in the first. We certainly didn't give up a lot in the third, but in the second period, they probably had 10. Avalanche on a four-game losing streak. According to Pro Football Talk, the Broncos have reached out to Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh about interviewing for the job in Denver. Harbaugh just led the Wolverines to their second straight Big Ten title and back-to-back college football playoff appearances. Harbaugh interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job last year, but the Vikings hired L.A. Rams assistant coach Kevin O'Connell. Other media reports indicate that Harbaugh will take an NFL job if he's offered one. He guided uh, San Francisco to the Super Bowl in 2013 when he lost to his brother John and the Baltimore Ravens in bowl games yesterday, which is kind of weird, right? Yesterday to yeah. have, have the Rose Bowl on. On and, a Monday afternoon. And it was kind of strange. In the Cotton Bowl. But uh, the Rose Bowl game yesterday from Pasadena, it was Penn State, number 11 Penn State, beating number 8 Utah, 35-21. to 21. And you also had the Cotton Bowl, where a bit of a stunner here. Tulane puts up 46 on USC. Mm-hmm. 16th ranked Tulane beats number 10 USC 46 to 45. Lincoln and Riley since 2017 has the most blown leads of 14 or more points of any coach in college football. That's not a good number. Nope. Welcome to the Big Ten, though. Bring that type of defense in. You know what Tulane's record was a year ago? What, like 1 in 10, 1 in 11? You're close. 2 in 10. Nice. Two and ten. Nailed it. It was also for Tulane their biggest bowl game appearance since nineteen thirty nine. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner. They didn't lose because of him. Four sixty two, five touchdowns, thirty seven of fifty two. 
but it was still a loss yesterday for USC. All right, and that's a look at... What's happening? All right, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Oh, by the way, Broncos, they will play 225 on Sunday. So that was solidified yesterday. They'll take on the Chargers Sunday at 225. Countdown to kickoff at noon on Sunday here on the team. And uh, Mike Rice will join us coming up later on with our uh, Broncos report at 820. All right, 725, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Uh, your, your thoughts on, on DeMar Hamlin, prayers for him recovering uh, after a cardiac arrest last night. The Bills' safety, um, after making a tackle on T. Higgins, stood up and then collapsed. They had to restart his heart on the field last night. Also, um, would you want Jim Harbaugh? Harbaugh now is saying that he wants an NFL job. And Denver, of course, has to go through the process to abide by the Rooney rule. Is Harbaugh a guy that you'd feel comfortable with as the Broncos head coach. So we've got some thoughts on that today. Uh, Coming up next, Michael Malone is going to complain about the thing that he always complains about with the Nuggets. And you know what that is, Buckeye. And we'll have that sound coming up next here on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Welcome back, Jim, along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trusted name in automobiles. All right, so your thoughts on if you watched the game last night, uh, how, how shocking, how scary that was to see DeMar Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills collapse the way he did and then had to have his heart restarted on the field before being taken to the hospital and how, how shaken everybody was not, not just the, the players in the field, the coaches on the field, but those covering the game last night, Mm -hmm. Lisa Salter was just visibly, visibly shaken. Yeah. And certainly Ryan Clark was emotional. Booger McFarland, Mm -hmm. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman was shaken, and he's he played the game at a high level. He's had injuries. He's seen players get hurt. You know, he was, I believe he was still with the Cowboys when Michael Irvin got hurt in Philadelphia, right, if that memory serves, on the concrete parking lot, essentially, they played on at Veterans Stadium. He's seen some things, and for him to be that shaken was... It was alarming when we didn't really know anything. Absolutely. Robert's got a text. Mr. Troy Vincent made it quite clear that the NFL did not ask for the five-minute break and then to resume play remains a mystery. Whom said such nonsense? Could I mean, I'm not going to carry the NFL's water on that. I have. I fully believe that somebody there did say that, hey, you know the M.O., Five-minute warm-up. We need to get ready. Troy Vince, by the way, the league's executive vice president of football operations. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned that Donna... Was not there. Donna Ponte was there. Mm-hmm. She's the league's chief football administrative officer. 
she was the one communicating with Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor and the referee. So it, it could have been a Ponte said, look, you know, typically what we do here, it's five minutes, and, and maybe, there, maybe there was that discussion. And then the feeling was from, from Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, no, we're this, this, that's right. five minutes is, is not going to be nearly enough time. Matter of fact, there's not going to be enough time tonight to play this game. No. Uh, do you see our guys right now? Do you see the reaction? Do you really do you really feel like they are going to go out and want to play this game after mm-hmm. watching what, what just happened? The fact that it took them an hour to officially postpone the game speaks to me that they were ready to get going. And they were just hoping that this would kind of blow over and the player would be okay at the hospital and then let's get rolling again. You know, so Monday okay. Night Football, standalone game, there's millions of dollars at stake. That's the NFL's and, and worry. And it's and it's Bills and it's the Bengals and it's a you know battle for you know for the, mm-hmm. for the AFC North for the Bengals. They can clinch it. They're in the hunt for the top spot in the AFC, the yeah. overall seed and a, and a bye the first week. There there were things at stake last night for both of those teams and particularly the Bengals last night. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think their their first inclination could have been from somebody. We're going to try to play this now. Is it as high up as Donna Ponte and Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell? Probably not. But was it someone in the NFL's sphere that yeah. told them initially, like you're going to have your five minute warm up period? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I. You would think that's where it come from, and. You know, I, I don't know if maybe for a moment Zach Taylor thought, well, we could probably still play this, and I, I doubt that because I don't think that, that reaction would. I don't think his reaction would have been what it was, mm-hmm. and where you would would have went to McDermott if it was. Well, we'll give this five minutes, yeah. and it'll be okay. I think Zach Taylor immediately went, as did Sean McDermott. We can't play this game. Mm-hmm. We're, we're done tonight. How and and thank God common sense prevailed prevailed in that moment where it wasn't well you know it's it's final weekend of you know of, of the regular season this game has so much you know so many implications we've we we got to get this game in got to get it in mm-hmm. got to make it happen i'm glad they just said no some things are way more important hamlin's health mm-hmm. what happened last night was the number one priority for everybody last night. But it took the NFL an hour to yeah. officially come around to that. Yeah. I mean, you had Booger McFarland pleading for this game yeah. to be called 45 minutes before it was actually yeah. officially called. Yeah, it's it's ultimately they did the right thing. But it's But not, I don't think they did it, the right thing just on their own accord. Yeah, but it's they they did the right thing because Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott said you're going to do the right thing here, mm-hmm. which is we're not playing. We're done. This is it for tonight. Yeah. And I, and I got the vibe just kind of watching it all that. I think Zach Taylor, he didn't want to play. I know he did not. I feel that he felt his guys maybe weren't ready to go if they were given five minutes. But if Sean McDermott and the Bills wanted to play, he would have played. Probably. If they would have. Yeah. I think if he if I, McDermott said, talk to our guys, mm-hmm. our guys are worried about about him but we're going to be okay whatever you want to do we're going to play 
you're ready if you're ready to resume here mm-hmm. in 20 minutes or whatever let's go ahead and do it yeah and i and i think that Sean McDermott knowing his team respecting his players looked around at his guys i mean, I mean McDermott was down mm-hmm. on on a knee praying that there's no way i can ask my guys to go out and do this no i just and can't i think it helped a lot and this is just me speculating I think it helped him make that decision to take his team off, team off the field, knowing that as soon as they were leaving, the Bengals are going to leave too. Yeah, you know, if he if he felt any sort of pressure from the other team to stay out there, it would have made it a little bit harder. But yeah. I think knowing that all hundred guys, all hundred players, team personnel, everything, we're all going to leave together. If you want to leave, yeah, I think that made his decision that much easier. Yeah, we're we're done tonight. We're, we're not going forward with this. All right, last night, um, Nuggets, after a statement win against Boston, best mm-hmm. team with the best record in the NBA just a night before, then they go to Minnesota, take on a, a sub-500 Minnesota Timberwolves team last night. Mm-hmm. And Denver, what what happens to the Nuggets? After, usually when they play, they play somebody as good as Boston, they defend the heck out of it, they yep. get a win, and then they play somebody like Minnesota. And allow 130 points per game. 124 last night. Denver beats the Timberwolves, or uh, Timberwolves beat the Nuggets last night, 124 to 111. Anthony Edwards, the guy used to be on ER. Or Goose. <laughs> Goose or Revenge of the Nerds. He had 29 points last night. Nikola Jokic had 24 points along with nine assist bones. Highland scored 18 off the bench, but the Nuggets turned over 15 times last night. They're uh, 24 and 13. They still lead Memphis by a half game atop the Western Conference standings. What do you think Michael Malone talked about last night, Buckeye, after the game? Uh, three point shooting. No. Um, defense. Yes. Hey, uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure most people are going to say it's because it's five games in seven days and all that BS. Um, you know, we, we were preaching for defense for 48 minutes tonight. Did it in a few stretches. I think we cut it to two, around 540 to go. Um, but they shot 60% from the field in the fourth quarter. They scored 34 points in the fourth quarter. And uh, all season long, when games have been tight down the stretch, our defense has risen to the occasion, regardless of what happened in the first 43. And, uh, and tonight, that wasn't the case. So uh, I think we had a season high, 32 shots that we did not contest. And that's just, you know, um, you know, a microcosm of just uh, our, our inability to um, play with any effort on the defensive end. To paraphrase Kiss, he's been preaching defense for 100,000 years. And they play it every once in a while. But it's not like he's like, hey, we were, we were trying to get him to play defense for a full 48. You've been trying to get him to play defense for seven years now. And we can see what they do when they, they're committed on the defensive end. Like the, the Boston game. Mm-hmm. And then you have a game last night where, okay, if you're going to have a game where you're not going to play defense, other people have to score. Either Nikola Jokic has to have one of his insane triple-double, you know, 40 points and 13 rebounds and 10 assists kind of game, which he didn't last night. But that's not fair to expect him to deliver that every single night. Mm-hmm. He still scored 24 points, had 9 assists and 7 rebounds. Bones Highland had 18, as I referenced. But Aaron Gordon had a one of his rare 
subpar nights. He yeah. did get on the glass for 16 rebounds, but he only scored 12 points. And then Jamal Murray rested his knee, and then he had 14 points last night. If Gordon and Murray don't score, then they've got problems. Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. had four threes last night, but it's got to be a couple of those other guys. They have a bad defensive night that have to step up, and that didn't happen last night. No, and you pair that with some poor shooting on the Nuggets aspect. Aaron Gordon had 12 of his 16 rebounds were offensive rebounds. Yeah, it's not When's g- the last time a guy had a double-double strictly with offensive <laughs> rebounds? And and he's not doing the, I'm a rebound shy of the triple-double, so I'll shoot it off the bottom side of the rim. <laughs> no, it's he's you know, missing shots. There he's are guys them. missing shots. You know, Nikola Jokic was 10 of 20, but Aaron Gordon was 4 of 18. It's brutal. Yikes. And then, again, one of my favorite things about a Nuggets loss is finding out who the hell is that guy when they let somebody score 21 points, like Jaden McDaniels. I didn't know he had a brother in the league. I do now. But apparently he does. Kyle Anderson, 19 points. Jalen Noel, 20 points, or whatever he had. Like, who the hell are these dudes? Just random dudes in the NBA, and the Nuggets let them go off for 60 points between the three of them. Well, at least former Nugget Austin Rivers only had eight last night. Oh, woo! (laughs) Yeah. Take away his eight, they still beat the Nuggets. Remember Bryn Forbes? Remember Bryn Forbes played for the Nuggets? I've heard that name before, yeah. He saw in uh, Minnesota. Did not play last night. Coach's decision. And then you also have the Avalanche last night. They're now on a four-game losing streak. They lost to Vegas last night at Ball Arena, 3-2. to two. Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen scoring goals for Colorado. McKinnon, his first goal in more than 25 days after being out with an upper body injury. I like what McKinnon said. He goes, we just got to get healthy. Mm-hmm. We're going to be fine, but we just got to get healthy. It's starting to trend in that direction. The last night's result didn't really show that. Avs are now on a four-game losing streak. All right, we got uh, Wyatt Thompson coming up. It's time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, how ESPN handled this whole thing last night. Exemplary work. Absolutely. By Scott Van Pelt, among everybody else, doing a fantastic job. And I've always, even though he's a Steeler, I've always had a soft spot for Ryan Clark because I th- think he's just hes so very eloquent. He's just such a smart guy. And he had an open mic last night. This is about DeMar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about a young man at 24 years old that was living his dream that a few hours ago was getting ready to play the biggest game of his NFL career. And there's probably nowhere else in the world he wanted to be. And now he fights for his life. And when DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field, you realize this isn't normal. You realize this isn't just football. And so many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever 
the side of football that no one ever wants to see mm -hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. And this isn't about a football player, right? This is about a human. This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a friend. This is about someone who is loved by so many that you have to watch go through this. I, um, I dealt with this before and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was gonna make it and now this team has to deal with that and they have no answers. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player <laughs> or we're, we're upset that the, the guy on our team doesn't make the play and we're saying he's worthless and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream. And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. I, that's incredibly well said. And, and Ryan Clark, who has sickle cell mm -hmm. uh, anemia, which he one time going to Denver to play, felt so much pain. And he, he said that he wore nice pajamas so if I died, at least they could they could bury me in nice or they'd find me in nice pajamas. Yeah, and then they, he talked about this last night when he tried to go back to Denver yep. as a Steeler, and he brought, had a, a group of medical experts that he'd brought in to say he's going to be okay. And and Mike Tomlin listened for five minutes and said, "Nope, nope. you're not going. I don't. You're, there's not enough you can tell me here that's going to convince me to to let you go to Denver because altitude affects mm -hmm. sickle cell." And uh, Tomlin so he, said, if this was my son, I'm not letting him play. Absolutely. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking college football with the team's insider, Wyatt Thompson, on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, voice the Kansas State Wildcats. Wyatt Thompson. Good morning, Wyatt. Well, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine. Happy New Year to you. And I thought it was going to be a really, really nice weekend for Kansas State. Got off to that great start against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. But uh, unfortunately, well, uh, <laughs> Alabama got the <laughs> offense going and the rest is history as the Crimson Tide get the win over your Wildcats. Well, I think it would be safe to say that K-State got the the field goal and then the Deuce Vaughn 88-yard run. And I think it probably woke him up a little bit. And when you play a team like Alabama, uh, to kick it in, right? And I, I think that's kind of what happened. I, I had uh, basically, in studying for the game, was trying to think of another quarterback that I've watched this year that I felt that was as accurate as and it's real. There were a couple of two or three. I mean, the kid at, at uh, USC, Caleb Williams, can make all the throws. There's no doubt. I love Stetson Bennett, or, well, Max Duggan. <laughs> there are dudes, but boy, he he the throws in that game that that really turned the game. And I think I had mentioned to you that Chris Kleiman's biggest concern going in was. Is, it's just how big, strong, physical, athletic, and tough they are at the line of scrimmage, and, and that proved out to be so. And early on, Bryce Young was not on point. 
And no, he, he was he was he was misfiring, and that you know that led to some three and outs, and that provided some opportunities for for Kansas State to to grab that that early lead in the football game. But then uh, Young started to click three twenty one five touchdown passes, and you know spread it around. Uh, Jermaine Burton with you know eighty seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cameron Latu had a touchdown catch. Corey Brooks had a touchdown catch. Kobe Prentice, I mean, he he did a nice job of really spreading the ball around to a, a multitude of receivers. Like they have seven or eight receivers that he threw the football to in that game. That's absolutely perfectly said because that's what we pointed out on the broadcast too. That it's impressive to throw five touchdown passes, but I think even as much so to do it to five different guys and. And I think that's kind of what they are this year. They don't have, you know, some of the guys that they've had in the past, even by their own admittance, um, in terms of just a superstar wide receiver. They have, across the board, really good ones, and and most of them are pretty young. Uh, But, I mean, I think the exception of the rule is Latu, the tight end. He is is a unique talent. And and I think uh, K-State's got one that's that's similar – and Ben Sennett. Uh, I don't think he's as accomplished yet because he's a younger player, but that kind of size, those kind of hands, the ability to run and, and make plays, but, man, they, they were good. Um, here, the thing is, is that K-State kind of is his control of the game, and there's one, the one thing that Bama does, in my personal opinion, that's a little different than most is they use their, their running backs because of their athleticism and speed uh, to get matchups that are, are tougher for other teams to do. Um, and and the, the one play early where K-State's kind of in the lead and has things going their way where they throw it to the back and he's up against Austin Moore, who's a really good player, but you can't expect a linebacker like that to, to cover Jamir Gibbs. It doesn't work like that. And so they're, they're, um, they're awfully good. They're really well coached. And, and with all of that said, I was just sitting here thinking about this. I even saw a tweet about it earlier today. K-State won 10 games lost to the Sugar Bowl champion, the Cotton Bowl champion, the Fiesta Bowl champion in Texas. <laughs> that's not bad, right? That's, that's not a bad resume. That's that's <laughs> that, that's not bad at all. And yeah. man, I loved watching Deuce Vaughn, the uh, you know, the, the new uh, Darren Sproles of uh, yeah. of Kansas State. Vaughn 133 yards a touchdown. Man, he was fun to watch in that game even even though it was a loss. Uh, the Deuce was loose at times in that game. Well, he's such a, and he he did mention yesterday through social media that he's going to make himself available for the draft. I don't think anyone anybody was surprised. Uh, happy for him, and yet you know it's it's a lot of fans were chanting at the pep rally that that we hosted, you know, one more year. But you kind of knew, right? I mean, you got to go when when it's time. And how do you top back to back consensus All Americans? You, you got to go and give it your shot, and uh, and I think he will. Uh, but what what I say is is that we were fortunate to have him, fortunate to have him for three years, uh, not only as a player but the kind of person he is. And that to, to me personally, maybe this was all of my years around guys like Sonny Lubick and Bill Snyder. That's what it's really all about. You can talk nil money all you want, all that kind of stuff, but that's kind of what it's all about. Wyatt Thompson, Voice Kansas State Wildcats, our college football insider, with us today on the team. And of course, Monday night national championship game at SoFi. It's going to be Georgia. We expected Georgia to be there, though. Uh, they came yep. so close to losing. A little fortunate to yep. get there. But little, yeah. little fortunate against TCU, which I thought two things. TCU speed 
and their ability to match Michigan physically were the two differences in that football game. Obviously, Max Duggan, you know, four total touchdowns. But I thought those two things, the speed and matching the Wolverines' physicality were, were key to TCU getting that win. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really well said, and I think that's what people miss about TCU is their physical ability and, and how to play that way. They do have really probably better athletes than people think, and, and that includes Max, Max Duggan, but it also includes Kendra Miller, and, and I, I think one of the keys to the game Monday night will be is he at 100%. Now, when he was dinged up a little bit, you saw Amari DiMercato come in and get 150. That's a pretty good backup. <laughs> But but Quentin Johnston as good as any, and uh, he'll he'll come out and, and go to the next level. Uh, I, I'm excited to see the game. I, I again, I think Georgia was a little bit um, fortunate, and, and I think we talked last week about Ohio State had every opportunity, and I think it proved out that way. I, I know they'll always look back at you know having a couple of score leads there in, in each half, but uh, two excellent, excellent, excellent semifinal games. So why very quickly in the time we have left here. Your thoughts about Monday's game? How do you see it shaking out? We've got about uh, about 30 seconds here. Okay. It doesn't take much more than 30 seconds to say this. I think it'll be a high-level game, slightly favored Georgia, but I do think TCU is more than capable to win the ball game if they play at, at their level. If they play really good football, they've got a shot. All right, Wyatt. appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Hope you had a wonderful uh, New Year for, for you and your family, and uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, buddy. Happy New Year to you guys, too. Thanks so much. Take care. Wyatt Thompson, Voice Can State Wildcats, our college football and basketball insider. Hour two coming up next on the team.